Add tad more brightness. Action smoke. Action helicopter. Oh, guys. Guys, we don't need all this. This is just a conversation. Cut, cut, cut. Oh, welcome to another edition of Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. No matter where you're listening from, we invite you to just get comfy and enjoy the next few minutes as we bring you new perspectives and maybe even some fun and laughter. No drama here, though. Just good conversation. Now, here she is, the woman who Alexa and Siri wish they could sound like. It's the lovely and gracious Donna Reed. It's just so much has happened since I last talked to you. My dog's been sick. My dog, Thor. So he's getting better. And I'm very happy to know that he is getting better because you know how dogs are. You just love them so much. So I got to thinking about, you know, how much I love animals. And I got to thinking about the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And then I got to thinking of how many movies I've been watching since my dog's been sick. And I got to be thinking about the Academy Awards. And then I started thinking, I need a guest for the podcast. And then I started thinking, who do I know that knows a lot about animals and a lot about the movies? And I thought I worked in radio in Houston. So I know there's somebody in Houston that worked in radio that does those two things. And I thought of T.J. Callahan, because she's a film critic, she's a radio personality, and her husband's a vet, too, so that kind of played into the story. I guess we can say, sit back, saddle up, and roll them. Film critic, radio personality, T.J. Callahan, who's in the studio with me. You probably know her from Hudson and Harrigan's sidekick doing Metro Traffic over on KALT Radio back in the day. She's also really entrenched in the film industry here in Houston. We're going to talk about that. She's a big supporter of the Texas Rodeo, which is going on now until March 17th. TJ, welcome to Spotlight Conversations, and thank you for coming in. Well, thanks for having me again. You always, you know, promote me, and I appreciate that. You're a mainstay in Houston, and then you've branched off from radio. Radio is still in your blood, I know, but you're doing a lot of things with film, and I was doing a bit of research. You're also a member of the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. Thank you for your contributions there. Um, The Alliance of Women Film Journalists, the Critics' Choice Association, and the Houston Film Critics Society. So how did movies come into, you know, your background of radio? Because you've done radio for so long, and then you're starting to do stuff about film. We'll talk about the Oscars, too, in a bit. Okay. Well, you know, you always have to reinvent yourself when things happen. (laughs) And you know, being in the radio business, one day you're there and the next day you may be being escorted out the door. You never know. And it's usually during a holiday. How I got into film criticism is back when I was at KILT on the Hudson and Harrigan show, our program director came in and said, you guys need to have, you know, some side shtick to do. It's like the internet was kind of blowing up, Facebook was starting, you know, and people had smartphones, and you had to be everywhere all the time. You couldn't just come in and do your show, and that was it. You needed to have content elsewhere. And so I had been going to screenings for movies that were opening up in Houston. And I said, well, let me start reviewing these movies that I'm going to see, and that can be my side content and they said good shtick yeah they were they were fine with it you know and so the more reviews I did the more people who heard me Mm -hmm. and so some of the promotions people around town the representatives of the movie studios 
um, said, hey, you're a legitimate film critic now. We're going to invite you to all the screenings, and we want you to join our organizations. And so I just kind of was invited to join Houston Film Critics Society, which is made up of about 30 people in the greater Houston area mm -hmm. that do film criticism either um, – on, in the newspaper, there are still newspapers out there. There are. <laughs> Online, broadcast, on the computer, you know, however they yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, And then I was invited to join the Critics' Choice Association. It was originally called the Broadcast Film Critics Society. Oh, right. Now it's the Critics' Choice Association because it encompasses film and television. And so it's just kind of taken off from there. And being in those organizations, I meet people around the country and I get to go to movie premieres and I get to interview movie stars and go to Yay. award shows. And Ooh. I never thought that that would ever happen to me, but I'm really grateful and it's a lot of fun. Because you put yourself out there, you have as much popcorn as you want forever. Right? Oh, I wish if I could have free popcorn, I would be as big as the Goodyear blimp. Oh, you would. Wait, wait, wait. They don't supply you with treats when you go to these movies? No. You might want to talk to Demir over at the uh, Edward Marquis about that. I will. No. Demir, we need to talk. Come on the podcast and see. So did you get certified to be a critic or did you just go in there cold and go, okay, I just saw whatever your first movie was. What was your first movie that you critiqued? Oh, I'm not sure. Could have been Forrest Gump. Really? Yeah, that's that's how long I've been doing this. And what did people say after you had your comments about it? I mean, did did you get like, you know, some people say, yeah, it was a great movie. I don't know why anybody would think it wasn't, but, you know, it's always but, a few. Well, you know, that was kind of even before everybody was all over the Internet. and You right. didn't get instant gratification or instant hate back then. <laughs> So you really didn't know what people thought in the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. now now it's it's totally different. Now, I see you're part of Women Film Journalists. When that started, did you have to brush up on, you know, how to write, you know, who, what, when, where, why, how, all that stuff? That oh, my writing. gosh. Exactly. Um, so I was asked to join the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, and I had never applied before because... I didn't think I met the qualifications and they mostly wanted people from print and they wanted you to give reviews every week and they mm. wanted at least 250 words and that scared me. <sighs> it's not a lot I'm, though. 250 words isn't, is it? It's not really a lot anymore, but you know, I'm from broadcast and yeah, I was yeah. in the news department. 10 words do it. <laughs> that's right. It's like you, the more you want more stories and the more stories exactly. you get, the shorter they are. So mm -hmm. I was all about brevity. And I didn't think I could do it, but uh, one of the uh, presidents of uh, the Alliance, um, Jennifer Marin, she's mm -hmm. like, no, I believe in you. I like your style. I think you can do it. So I joined and I just gave her a review that was over 450 words, See? which is a lot for me. Yeah. So 250 <laughs> is like, nah, nothing, nothing. So I think I am getting better with my film criticism in print. You know, I can talk a blue streak about a movie, but writing it down and making it cohesive and so you can understand it, it's it's harder. It's it's hard. And I think I'm getting better. You are. I, I've read your reviews. They're pretty good. <laughs> uh, before we talk about this year's Oscars, I want to ask you what, I know you've been out there on the red carpet. What was your most exciting red carpet moment? 
Oh, well, there's been a lot because sometimes you just see a lot of people like standing there and here comes Jennifer Lopez right in front of you. You know, you're looking at my picture now with me and Oprah. I am. That's her ID on Skype, folks. It's like Oprah's there, too. I'm like, oh, Oprah's going to be on the show. Nice. (laughs) Teasing. But go ahead. Yeah, it's it's really funny because I was uh, flying from uh, Vegas to Houston uh, about four weeks ago. And I got, I was going through security and I was the one that, ma'am, you've been picked to, you know, have special search going on or whatever. Oh, You're the that. lucky one. Oh. And I don't know why. But anyway, they pulled me over to the side and they, I thought they were going to pat me down. They did not. What they did was the lady on the other side of the conveyor belt asked to see my phone and like what she was going to look for on my wow. phone. I don't know. And I guess it was open. I don't know. Um, cause she looked at it and then she gave it back to me and she goes, do you know, Oprah? Cause she's also <laughs> my screensaver on my phone. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've met her a couple of times. Anyway, that was my ultimate moment was seeing Oprah at the Critics' Choice Awards and she's surrounded by security because she doesn't want people to bother her. Mm-hmm. But I went up to her and I just said, Oprah, you're my bucket list. And she was so nice. And she took a photo with me and she admonished a, a photographer that I had given somebody my cell phone and he was going to take pictures of us. Okay. And he was having trouble. And she was like, you just tap it. Screen. <laughs> you don't have to press it hard. Just tap it. And did he? He did. He, he did. finally got it right. But she was very gracious and so nice. And I saw her at another award show and we talked again and... Um, so she is like one of my highlights. I was also hugged by the queen. Um, Claire Foy was the um, young Queen Elizabeth in yes, the crowd. Yes, that yes, yes. was on Netflix. I, I love that show. And she was uh, receiving the See Her Award yes. for promoting females in uh, film and, film, and right. television mm-hmm. at the Critics' Choice. And I had screamed out in the background, long live the queen. Oh, my God. You did. I did, and I'm bad. And no, that works. Me. You got to do it. <laughs> hey, that always gets me on uh, television, so. TJ front hope, and center, yeah, baby. I know. I hope the Critics' Choice aren't listening to me. They might ban me. <laughs> but anyway, she stopped, and she's like, thank you, or whatever. So in a commercial break, I found her, and I went up to her, and I said, I'm the one who said, long live the queen. And she gave me the biggest bear hug. You've got uh, some I good questions, so. too. Oh, I, yeah, you do. I, you know, heard... I hope so. It's like sometimes, you know, uh, uh, Killian Murphy was in the news the other day, yeah. and he's the star uh, of the movie Oppenheimer. He could pop, most likely going to win uh, the Best Actor Oscar or Arlo, you know, I hope it goes to Paul Giamatti from The Holdovers, but Mm. that's for later on. But anyway, he came out and he said, you know, these press junkets, they're just, you know, they're old school. We need to find another way because everybody, there's like, you know, could be 20 journalists and they come in one at a time and they're all asking the same questions. And so the last junket I did, I tried to be different. I said, look, you tell me what you want us to know about your film that, you know, we might not just see from the trailer or Mm -hmm. read in a quick article. And then I asked them, it was the director, it was Todd Haynes, he was the director of May, December. Mm -hmm. And I said, what made you want to be a director? What got you into the film industry? What was the film that made you want to be in this industry? And he told me it was Mary Poppins. Was it? (laughs) Yeah, it's like one of the first movies he ever saw as a kid. You heard it here first on Spotlight Conversations, (laughs) Todd Haynes and Mary Poppins. That's it. That's the connection. Well, now we're talking Oscars. And and I know you've seen all of the films that are up for 
best film? Yes, we have 10 of them that are nominated for who, Best Picture. Who do you think? Give me, give me the rundown on who you think the winners will be this year. Okay, well, if I just go for, like, um, Best Film, if you go for the odds, it's going to be Oppenheimer because it's been yeah. winning everything. Yeah. There could be, somebody could sneak in, like, the zone of interest. And I don't know if a lot of people have seen this movie. For one, it's a foreign film. It's in German. But it's really kind of a British and Polish film. And it's about the commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Haas, and his family. And they live in this nice house with a beautiful garden. Mm -hmm. And their back fence is Auschwitz. They live next door to the concentration camp. But in this film... You don't ever see the concentration camp except for the concertina wire, maybe some smoke or some rooftops. But you hear what goes on in the concentration camp constantly throughout the majority of this film. Every time these people are in their home, you can hear. And it's like it's one of those films like how can people tune out atrocities and live a normal life? And these people do because they were conditioned to do that wow. by the Nazis. And it, you think that's going to be in contention with Oppenheimer? It could, it could be a spoiler. It could yeah. come. If anybody's going to beat Oppenheimer, it could be that movie. Maybe Past Lives because it's getting um, a lot of love lately. But that I'm was sure good. Do it. I Past liked Lives it. It's a wonderful movie. Yeah, it's about these two uh, Korean friends and they get split apart when they're young. And then they come back together in America, you know, like 20 years later. And can they rekindle their relationship, even though they're with other people? Yeah, it was very enjoyable. The first five minutes or so, I thought, oh, I'm going to like this. I'm going to tell you, of all the 10 films that are nominated, there's Poor Things, Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, American Fiction, and The Holdovers. They're all wonderful films, you know, and in any given year, one of these films could win. It's just whoever has the momentum at the time, and I think it's Oppenheimer. You too. How about yeah. Best Actor, Best Actress? All right, so my personal favorite is Paul Giamatti because my favorite mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. was The Holdovers, and I don't know if people have seen that or not. It's about uh, a boarding school, all-boys school. He's a professor in the school, and he's asked to stay over the Christmas holiday with the kids that can't go home ah, yes, for I the remember. holiday. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like him, one of the kids that's left, and uh, the lady, Divine Joy Randolph, she is uh, the uh, kitchen lady. She's the cafeteria worker. Oh, she okay. stays to cook for the people that have to stay in the school. And it's how they have developed a relationship throughout the uh, course of two weeks while they're stuck at the school together. And we learn who they are mm-hmm. and who they think they want to be, but who they really are. And it's really just a good old-fashioned movie. Oh, finally. It, it's just a good story. It doesn't need any special effects. It doesn't have to have, you know, any bad words. It doesn't have to have gratuitous sex. It's just a good story. I and love that's that. what I liked about it. So um, I'm hoping Paul Giamatti wins. But Killian Murphy from Oppenheimer could win the award as well. They're kind of neck and neck, but I'm pulling for Paul Giamatti. Best actress. Best actress. You know, 
if you t- we talked about this a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. we would say it was Lily Gladstone from mm-hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon. And she is a Native American herself, and she plays a Native American who marries um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. And it's these, you know, basically these white men who come into the town and try and scoop up all the Indian land by marrying the Indian women. And it's, you know, it's a big scandal and it's a scam and it's a true story. And it's um, a massive movie. It's like three and a half hours directed by Martin Scorsese. Every uh, Robert De Niro is in it. Um, (laughs) Lots of big stars. It's, it's a good movie. It's long, but it's a good movie. And she was the front runner. But Emma Stone has crept up in there for poor things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And is the weirdest movie I ever liked. Well, a lot of them are on these press junkets, too, leading up to the Academy Awards, right? Nothing's been decided yet. So we can see more press about a certain film now. Yeah, they're all going to still talk about the films and they're all all these people that are nominated. They're all still giving interviews because I don't think the Academy has voted yet. Um, but because the Academy Awards are March 10th, Sunday, March 10th. So we still have about a week or two mm-hmm. before the show. So they probably haven't voted yet. So everybody's still out there politicking. But Emma Stone has kind of come around and won some of these awards that they thought Lily Gladstone was going to get. And I have to say, if you haven't seen Poor Things, it's kind of like a a Frankenstein mashup. And um, it's really weird. But Emma Stone is awesome. Yeah, she's a great actress. You may not ever eat an apple again, but she (laughs) is awesome. Anything more about the Academy Awards you want to drop? If you enjoy watching the Academy Awards, I hope you go and see all the movies that are nominated. There's another one called Anatomy of a Fall. And oh, it's yeah. a French film, but it's in German. Um, well, it's actually it's in French, but it has a German star in it. It's basically a, a man and a husband and wife and their son and their dog. And the husband falls out of a window to his death. And everybody blames his wife for it. And it's basically her trying to convince um, everybody that she didn't do it. And so kind of that's the the gist of the movie. Do you notice as there seem to be more movies with subtitles than ever before at the Academy Awards? I think that a lot of people are starting to see these um, foreign films and um, uh, American distributors are picking them up. You know, like uh, companies like A24, mm-hmm. which are mm-hmm. is an American film. They're they're picking up these films and distributing them th- themselves. So they're getting more play in the United States. And hence, the Academy is seeing them and putting them up in the mainstream, not just for foreign film, but for best picture as well. And that, I think that's a good thing. I because, do too. you know, we shouldn't just vote for American films for mm-hmm. best picture. We mm-hmm. should encompass everybody. Now, you've got a full plate. You've got film, the Academy Awards, your writing. Um, you're also very active for many years, a loyal supporter of the Texas Rodeo, which is coming up, which starts today. It's going on until March 17th. Oh, man, we just got finished. Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo champion, World Championship Barbecue Cook-Off was just this past weekend. And I judge um, 
in the uh, culinary category, the uh, Dutch oven desserts, and the open category. And this is the category where all the cook-off teams can enter, and they can enter whatever they want. How many years have you done this? Well, I mean, off and on, probably about 10 or 15 years. Because I did it for a while, and then there was kind of a hiatus, and now I'm back in it again. Luckily, thank you, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. (laughs) for allowing me to judge because it's like my favorite thing. I love it. So you like to cook too at home? No, I hate to cook, but I like to eat. (laughs) See, that's like me. Everybody gives me a hard time because, you know, I love to eat, but dang, cooking. I mean, my mother-in-law is like, you don't like to cook, do you? No. I eat over the sink usually, yeah. Uh (laughs) It's terrible. I, I make a mess and I'm like, look, I can't even make macaroni and cheese out of the box. The uh, pot roast recipe for the crock pot, it's foolproof. I'll make that any day. Oh, that sounds great. Well, you can bring it over to the Spotlight Conversation Studios. We'll have a big party and a shindig okay. to match. So We'll have a crock pot luck. Yeah, there you go. Crock pot luck. Okay. So what have you got going on, you know, after the, um, uh, the awards are done and then after the rodeo is finished? Then what are you off to doing? You got some more movies coming up? To yeah, sure. They'll, there's movies, you know, every week. Right. So I'll be at a movie every single week for the rest of the year. At least one movie, if not two. But that's what I do. But yeah, during March, it's it's pretty much rodeo and the horticulture committee and our all our competitions. And, you know, we're doing it for the kids. And so it's rewarding and a lot of fun. And what's the website? Oh, rodeohouston.com. There you go. You uh, can buy the tickets to the show from that website. You can see who's playing um, there and uh, buy your tickets and find out everything that's going on. Because, you know, it's not just they do the rodeo performance. They have the, the famous uh, singers that are there. But it's also, you know, all the um, the carnival oh, and yeah. then all the exhibits and they have Ag Venture. And that's one of the things our horticulture committee does is we have a little spot in Ag Venture over by the parakeet cages. Right. And we help uh, people plant sunflower seeds. So you can come up. It's all free. And you can That's get a little for the cup. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you scoop yep. the soil in the cup, put some sunflower seeds in. We put a lid on it. You take it home and you grow your own sunflowers. You know, we're talking about food earlier. I mean, sunflowers made me think of food and made me think <laughs> of all of the uniquely fried foods that you have at the Texas Rodeo. Oh, absolutely. Now, I have judged the Gold Buckle Foodie Awards oh my God. Um, a Let's, few times in my life. Well, wait, wait. Let's just share what that is for listeners who may be outside of Texas joining in. What is that exactly? Well, that the, the Gold Buckle Foodie Awards is the judging of all the fair food. So, you know, when you go to the carnival or you go to the grounds of the rodeo, there's, you know, vendors selling every kind of food. And if you can fry it, they're going to serve it. So it's not just fried Oreos, <laughs> fried Snickers, fried cheesecake, but there's fried butter. What? And I'm like, how? Fried butter? But I had to taste it one year at, for a judge, and it's really good. It's like eating a hush puppy with just a, a oh. lot of butter inside. And your cholesterol goes, Oh, it's like instant diabetes when oh you leave God. there and you probably don't want to eat for a week because your arteries do need to cleanse themselves. So what is, but is that the craziest thing you, you've ever had? Craziest thing is pizza with scorpions on it. They're not alive when they're on the pizza. They've been cooked. Well, I know. It's like, 
whoever, whichever table gets that one, it's like you've drawn the short straw. Well, you know, <laughs> to some people, that's that's delicious, though. So I can't sit it here and say, she said, it might be, she says hesitantly. <laughs> I know that your husband's a vet. Ricky's a vet. Yeah, uh-huh. a veterinarian. Dr. Richard Croft. Dr. Richard Croft. He also (laughs) accompanies you on these films that you critique. That's right. He's my barometer. And usually I rate my films about how many eyes Ricky has open at the end of the movie. Two eyes open. It's been a really good film. And, of course, if two eyes are way shut, don't go near it. I had a couple of questions to ask him about my dog. And he he was not feeling well. He was so awesome. So... Dr. Ricky, I want his website and his full name so that people can go to this guy if they have any questions about their pets. And I assume he's cats, dogs, rabbits, gerbils. Yeah, actually, he is the rabbit king. People come from all over to bring their rabbits to him. He does some exotics. He doesn't do anything that's bigger than him. So don't bring him your horse or your emu (laughs) or... your, Nothing bigger than him, but it's Dr. Dr. Ricky Croft, but it's Richard Croft. He, he's Rose Rich Animal Clinic. It's in uh, Richmond. He's great. And it's good to know that Thank you. You know, none of us can never bring in our horse or emus to him. But, no. you know. He has done emus before uh, when they were, you know, they were really popular yes. about 20, 30 years ago. Everybody right. was raising emus. Yes. And he had to go out to this guy's property and um, sex his emus. And I'm not saying that in a gross way it's like you don't know from looking at an emu whether it's a male or a female so you have to kind of look grab them and like maybe either get a a blood test or look at them in a certain spot I'm not really sure but it's just not obvious so he stood out in this man's field with his arm out and waited till an emu ran into his hand and then he'd grab it by the neck and stop it and then he was able to do what he needed to do to find out whether if it was a male or a female. I love this show. I always learn something so (laughs) new and unique. (laughs) TJ Callahan, Texas Radio Hall of Famer and film critic. Thank you for coming into the podcast today. It's always fun. Good luck at the rodeo. Thanks for for having me. And uh, if you want to ever hear my movie reviews live, KVLC 101.1 FM. 101 gold, 101gold.com in Las Cruces, New Mexico with my former co-worker, Leslie T. Travis, who used to be on Kilt in Houston. It's a family affair. I love it. It is. Happy spring. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in. 